But this is also a time, uh, because of that longing, of prayer and preparation. You may know that the kingdom of, of Israel had a long time when God did not speak to them. This was before Jesus was born. It was 400 years of silence. Most of us can't even sit for about 30 seconds in silence. So imagine not hearing from God for centuries. You may be relating with some of that uh, right now. You may uh, have been experiencing some quiet and you want to hear from the Lord. The prophet Isaiah was uh, very familiar with this silence, but he also knew the promise that God's voice would return, that the light of God would break in. Here's what the prophet Isaiah wrote 600 years before the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Family, this is the time of Emmanuel, God with us. So stand with me if you would, and God is here to meet with us now. Good evening, churches. How are we? For those of you who don't know, my name is Justin. I have the privilege of being an elder, and I um, come to welcome you in the name of Jesus and say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, this is the last uh, time we gather together for what we call Advents. It's the reminder and looking back, as Chris mentioned, looking back at Jesus' first coming, and then also the longing of us wanting him to return again. And we remember that on an annual basis by the Advent calendars. This is the reminder that Jesus is the light of the world, the Prince of Peace, the joy of our salvation, and the demonstration of God's love. This is why we celebrate his coming on Christmas and offer him our deepest adoration. These candles represent hope, peace, joy, love, and the birth of Jesus. These four candles that are already lit represent hope, peace, love, and joy. And this last candle that we will light this evening is a reminder of Jesus' birth. This is the Christ candle. White in the purity of his birth, white in the purity of his life, and what he ultimately does for us on Easter Sunday. So as we light this, will you bow your heads and pray? O Lord, our God, thank you for sending Jesus. He is a gift beyond our wildest imagination. Through him, we have light and life and hope and peace, joy and love. We are so grateful, Lord, for your great love. May we carry your hope, peace, joy, and love with us as we work and wait for you to come again. We love you. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated.
This Christmas Eve, we decided to do something a little bit different. Rather than have one specific time of a message, what we've asked is a few different couples to come and share with us what the Lord's been doing in their life that can be an encouragement to uh, these church families coming together to be one. And so you'll, you'll see it, you'll be standing up and down a little bit more than normal as we indisperse some uh, music and singing, and we will have some children's uh, story time in a few minutes where the kids can actually get up on stage to hear a story. So forewarning, that's going to be fun. So I, I wanted to, uh, so, and the first couple that we have doing this is Mark and Roseanne, so please take it away. There, now we are. Hello. <laughs> Um, I think I know a lot of you, but since we're kind of a mixed gathering, I'm, as Justin said, Mark and Roseanne Tilden. We lead a, a wonderful missional community out in Gig Harbor with uh, Dave and Becky Barrueto. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Justin came to me and asked if we could share a little bit during this gathering, and I immediately said yes, and then as soon as I hung up, realized that what that meant was that I needed to add another thing to my to-do list. And I don't know about you, but I always seem to have way too many things on my to-do list. I'm one of those kind of guys that Roseanne accuses me of being very optimistic about how long things will take. And so my list is always a mile long. And I tell you, there's nothing that will get me more frustrated, um, irritable, even angry. Talk to her. Um, <laughs> it, as feeling like I'm going to try and get a bunch of things done and then something gets in my way. You know that sort of feeling? Um, so Saturday morning, I sit down to write out this little talk, and I have this crazy idea that I'm going to just whip this out and get on to the four or five other things on my to-do list. And fortunately, my helper, guide, comforter, the Holy Spirit, had other ideas for my day. So while I was doing a little bit of reading and research for this talk, I came across a book that had been recommended to me actually a while ago, but I hadn't read it yet. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. And I found the book on Amazon. It had that cute little icon, you know, look inside. Um, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or clever marketing on Amazon's part, but I clicked and it immediately captured me, and, um, and I realized I have to read this book, um, not next week or next month, today. Um, so how does that fit with my to-do list? Um, not particularly well. But modern age of technology, a couple minutes later, the book is downloaded onto my Kindle, and I start reading, and I spent all of Saturday reading this book. It's not terribly long. I'd actually highly recommend it. And I was captivated because the story is written by a very successful megachurch pastor down in Portland who basically burned out. Now, you might be very well asking, what does this have to do with Advent? We'll come to that in just a second. But I want to ask a quick question. I know that by now, a bunch of you have been asked, how you doing? How's your Christmas? That kind of thing. I want to see a show of hands. How many of you, somewhere in your answer, use the word busy? I thought so. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's ever struck you as it did me last Saturday that we are celebrating the arrival of God in the flesh and that this celebration is supposed to be characterized by peace and joy, but in the middle of an already hectic life, 
we turn up the notch three or four dial, three or four clicks on the dial because we're celebrating this. Now, don't get me wrong. This, what we're celebrating is totally amazing that God, the creator of the universe, would choose to take on flesh and become human like us. Oh, that reminds me. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading in Philippians 2, and this is what it said. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. <clears throat> when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. And I was kind of contemplating that, <clears throat> sitting at my kitchen table or dining room table, and Katie came upstairs, our daughter who lives with us, with her three-month-old son, and asked me to hold him for her for a minute. So as I'm gazing at this beautiful little boy, I start thinking about Mary looking into a three-month-old Jesus face and just wondering, what did she think? Was she wondering about what's going to happen to this boy? What, what does God have in mind for him? And then my mind went to the Trinity, and I thought, what were you guys talking about before Jesus came to earth? Did you have this conversation about how are we going to teach and tell the humans and show them what our love is like here in the Trinity? And I can just imagine Jesus going, I'll go. I'll go as a baby. And I will demonstrate the Father, the Son, and the Spirit's love to all of them. And then my eyes filled with tears as I was thinking, Jesus, why would you do that? You left heaven for us. And I don't know why, other than love, but <laughs> that I'm so grateful you did. I thank you so much that because of you doing that, I can have a relationship with you. We can have a relationship with you and with the Father and the Spirit, and it's through you. So that is an amazing truth. But here was my aha moment, because we talk a lot about God being in the flesh, and rightly so, but I began to wonder if I completely miss the fact that he's here with me simply because I'm in such a hurry that I pass him like a stranger on the street. I realized that I sat down last Saturday to write a talk about God being with us, and it was, at some level, just another item on my to-do list. So I might have even had something wonderful to say, but completely missed enjoying him. You remember how Jesus responded when he was asked, what is the most important command in the Jewish law? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's the rub. Love is painfully time-consuming. If we're going to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our strength, and then if that love is going to pour over into our neighbors, we will have to, it will take time. John Ortberg said, for a great many of us, the danger is not that we will renounce our faith, 
it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. So what if the biggest thing or one of the biggest things that stands in the way of us experiencing intimacy with Jesus and having the fruit that we long to see is the same thing, busyness. My encouragement to you this evening is to make sure that the rush and the endless to-do list doesn't keep you from doing the thing that Jesus said was most important, loving him. And I think I would just close with what the psalmist said. Remember when he said, be still, which by the way doesn't include a to-do list, and know that I am God. Amen, amen, amen. Kiddos, this time is for you. This is my daughter. Hey, Donna, what's your name? Joya. This is Joya. And so what she wants to do is she wants to invite any kids that also want to come on this stage to hear a story. So we're going to have a little bit of a kid's story time right now. Now, what is one of the identities that we like to remind ourselves amongst the Soma family? We are family. And what is family? Messy. What is this about to be? A little bit messy. Okay, so what we're going to do is all the kids that would like to, and before you come up, one sec, if some parents want to join the youngest of them to ensure that this awesome front stage remains only the front stage, that would be fantastic. We have somebody named Keith who's a, friend of, a dear friend of ours, part of the Soma Fredaway family, that's going to do a kid's story for them. If your kids are not able to, there will be pictures on the screen, so don't feel left out. But if you can come to my right to come on the stage and sit all right here, that would be fantastic. So kids, come on up and come and sit, and we're going to have some story time. Oh, be careful, okay? Come on over. goodness where did you all come from oh my goodness and is it still going it still keeps going awesome all right good evening good evening good evening in some parts of the world good morning my name is Keith Ordinez they call me Mr. Keith Ordinez I'm one of the storytellers down at Soma Federal Way and as a storyteller I of course came over here to show you guys a picture can you guys see the picture can you see it? Good job. And we're done. Go home. Go do some homework or something. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You wanted, you wanted a story. You guys wanted a story. You guys want to hear it. All right. Well, since you guys asked so nicely, I do have a story that's called The Christmas Promise. And it goes like this. Long, long time ago, so long that it's hard to imagine, God promised a new king. And it wasn't any ordinary kings, like the ones you see on TV or the ones you read in books. He would be different. He would be a new king, much newer than King Williams. He'll be a rescuing king, 
much stronger than King Arthur. And he'll be a forever king. He'll last longer than King Kong. <laughs> and do you know what? One precious night, God kept his Christmas promise. Now, would you like to know how it was done? Yeah. Yeah. Would you all like to hear it? So this Christmas story starts with an angel who came down from God to see Mary. And this angel had a very special message. Mary, you're going to have a baby. And he will be a special baby. And God promises that your baby is going to be a king. Not for a little time, not for a little while, not for just a few moments, but a king that's going to be a king forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. This will be a forever king. Now Mary was going to marry Joseph, which is why her name was Mary, because she was going to marry Joseph. So God sent an angel to Joseph as well. And the angel, right down to Joseph. And he also had a special message. Mary's going to have a very special baby, the angel said to Joseph. Her baby is going to be king. And not just any king, not just a king that just sits on a throne. He will rescue his people. He will be a rescuing king. Now, God had promised that this new king would be born in a little city, city called Bethlehem. And that's where Mary and Joseph went. But Bethlehem was very busy with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Oh, that's a very good question. And if I were to answer that question, I'd probably guess weeks and weeks. A walk from, like, imagine a walk from Seattle, imagine a walk from Seattle to Tacoma. Probably. <laughs> but in any case, they did make that very long trip. All the way down from Nazareth, reaching down to Bethlehem. And when they got there, the baby was born, and he had to sleep in a manger instead of a bed. All the other mangers in Bethlehem held food for hungry animals to munch on. But this, ba this manger held a tiny baby, and he was God's special new king. Now, there were shepherds in the field that had a, quite a surprise. It was quite dark. It was quite quiet. And the sheep were snoozing, which is very easy for sheep because they're, they're, like, they're like pillows, each one of them. They can just like lie their heads on top of their brother or they lie their heads on top of the sneeze, on, the, on top of the sister. And they're snoozing very nicely, very cuddly, and very cozy. When all of a sudden, whoosh, there was another angel that came down to them. This angel popped out from the sky. The sky was all of a sudden bright and the shepherds were so, so scared. But the angel had a special message for them. The angel tells them, don't be afraid. Stop it. Stop being scared. 
I don't have scary news. What I have is wonderful good news for you. God's chosen king has been born tonight. And he's going to rescue his people just as God has promised. He will be the rescuing king. And then lots and lots and lots, lots of other excited angels came down to join in with the celebration. Just imagine if there was one bright angel in the sky, bright enough to light up the entire sky like a sun. And then you got another one, and then another one, and then another one, and another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. All joining into this celebration. And the shepherds also joined in with that celebration. And now the shepherds were so excited by the news that they had told. They came rushing to Bethlehem looking for this new king. And there he was, lying in a manger, just as the angel had said. But they weren't the only ones who had heard the good news about the promised new king. When all of a sudden, whoosh, there was a gigantic star in the sky. Just like the angels that go whoosh all over with a message for all the people. There was a whoosh. All of a sudden, there's a brand new star. And this brand new star also had a message. And it just so happened that there were a few wise men far, far, far away that saw, that saw this star. And they got the message. And so after, after the wise men figured out the message of the star... They make a very long journey. But for them, it was, very, it was worth it. Because the message of the star was that a very special king had been born. The king for all God's people. Not just Israel. Not just Jerusalem. If all people are made in God's image, then all people are God's people. And these wise men were very excited. This was the promised new king, not just for Jerusalem, but the entire world. And so they made a long journey from the other end of that world to the other side of the world where Jesus was. They went with excitement on a very long, long journey to see this new king. And there he was. Just there, right there. Just as the star had shown them. But they were amazed that the star had kept his promise. Right there before them, the new king of all of God's people. Now, in this story, everything that you see comes true. Every promise that God has made had come true. There have been lots and lots of kings before and after. But God had promised a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. And by chance, does anyone here know the name of that king? A little louder. I can't pick you up on my mic. A little louder. Very good. That is right. And that is also the end of this Christmas story. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Very nicely you can rise back on up and find your parents in their comfortable seats. And yes, they are comfortable.
Merry Christmas, that's right. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jamal. This is my wife, Beth, and uh, we, we help lead the uh, Cornerstone students here at Soma Tacoma. Um, so we just wanted to, we were asked to do this. We're a little nervous, so bear with us. Um, but we just wanted to give you guys just a little glimpse into our lives, just a bit of a personal story of what we've been going through and uh, what the Lord has been teaching us kind of over the, the past year. So okay. we wanted to share with you how the Lord has really shifted our views on holidays, specifically Christmas. Hear this as a story of encouragement and constant work of sanctification. It is not to compare or undermine any grief that each of you have experienced personally and as a church as a whole, but rather share our story of grief and God's hope through it. Yeah, so last August, uh, we lost our second son, Caleb, at 32 weeks. Um, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, um, and he was quickly gone. So, uh, so kind of since then, uh, the road that the Lord has called us to be on has been very painful, um, but very good. Um, it's taken us a while to be able to say that. Um, and the, the shift that the Lord has taken our souls on has brought, us, has, has brought a theme to mind um, and that's what we want to talk about tonight. And that theme is uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, Randy and Lisa were hugely instrumental in this shift. From the sermon he spoke at the service to the many conversations and prayers we had with them when we felt totally defeated. How thankful we are for them, even with Randy gone and their steadfast encouragement to keep our eyes on Jesus. The devil is constantly on overdrive to change or block the view of Jesus, but God has armed us with his word to clear the view. And he has also gifted us with a number of saints who understood suffering greatly, but whose words always drew you back to the Lord. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so we want to share a couple of the Bible verses and, and quotes that have been at the forefront, forefront of our hearts this year. Um, and so one in particular is 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, 8, 8 and 9. And it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So when we, when we lost Caleb, it was, it was a, it, we felt like God had really abandoned us, you know. Um, I'm sure you guys can relate uh, in, in your own struggles. And so we were like, where is God? What's going on? What you doing? Um, and, and so... The problem with that, though, was our thinking. Uh, we, we were pretty, pretty self-focused. Uh, we, were, we were focused more on our strength um, to cling to Jesus rather than the ultimate powerful love of God that we, that we can't escape. Um, and so in that, Jesus clung and continues to cling to us because he has all the power. And that's what we had to realize. It is Christ who holds us fast, to, to quote the song. So one of the quotes we want to share with you is by Charles Spurgeon. Um, it's, uh, it's a fairly long quote, so I'm going to read it. And in that, we have um, the Lord revealed verses to us, or whether or not those were verses that Spurgeon was playing off of, who knows. But Jamal's going to read the verses. I'll read the quote to kind of help follow along. Remember, therefore, it is not your hold of Christ that saves you. It is Christ. It is not your joy in Christ that saves you. It is Christ. It is not even faith in Christ, though that be the instrument. It is Christ's blood and merits. Therefore, look not so much to your own hand by which you are grasping Christ as to Christ. Look not to your hope, but to Jesus, the source of your hope. Yes. 
Um, and so with that, Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look not to your faith, but to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our doings, or our feelings. It is not what we are that gives rest to the soul. If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes simply on him. Let his death, his sufferings, his merits, his glories, his intercession be fresh upon your mind. When you wake in the morning, look to him. When you lie down at night, look to him. Oh, let not thy hopes or fears come between you and Jesus. Follow hard after him, and he will never fail you. Amen. Um, so th this, uh, this last verse that I'm, that I'm going to read um, is one that uh, um, Randy and Lisa helped us find, and we, we've been clinging to um, for a while, and, and it's, it's just a great reminder of who Jesus is and, uh, and, and who we are in light of Jesus. Um, so it's, it's, it's also on uh, Caleb's gravestone, which is pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. So to end that, just remember, the Lord is faithful and his promises are secure. Keep your eyes on Jesus, for he is holding us all fast. Merry Christmas. <laughs>